The Asian Canadian and Asian Migration Studies program would like to acknowledge that this podcast was recorded on the traditional, unceded, ancestral homelands of the Musqueam, Squamish, Tsleil-Waututh First Nations. We hope that as we continue to facilitate these conversations about Asian diasporic communities, we also engage in critical dialogue about what it means to be uninvited guests and settlers on these lands. Welcome to the third mini-episode of the Asian Canadian and Asian Migration Studies podcast, a series of short interviews where we sit down with members of the ACAM community and learn about the community initiatives and projects that they've been working on. My name is Isa Yu, I'm the Multimedia Production Assistant at ACAM, and I will be your host for this episode. We hope that this interview series can be a way to continue building connection between ACAM students, staff, faculty, and community partners, while also providing our community members with a platform to share similar work they've been doing in their community during this time. My guest for this episode is Mila Zuo, filmmaker, film scholar, and assistant professor in the Department of Theatre and Film at UBC. We sat down for a chat in advance of the ACAM Halloween screening on October 28th to talk migration, horror, and womanhood. Let's take a listen. Do you mind introducing yourself to our listeners? Sure thing. Um, my name's Mila Zuo, and I'm an assistant professor in the Department of Theater and Film. I teach primarily film studies here at UBC. As the Asian Canadian and Asian Migration Studies program, we're always interested in hearing about people's own experiences of migration. Could you tell us a bit more about your and your family's migration story? Sure. So, um, well, my parents immigrated um, to the States when I was about four years old from mainland China. Um, my dad was one of the first uh, artists from Northeast China to be able to come to the U.S. to pursue his graduate studies, uh, which he did at the Southern Illinois University at Carbondale. Um, And so I grew up in the Midwest of the U.S., uh, Illinois, and eventually spent most of my time in in St. Louis and the surrounding areas there. Um, And so my migration story is really actually also rooted in a kind of uh, diaspora and exile from the Cultural Revolution, um, which impacted both sides of my family. And so how do you see that kind of history feeding your work? Yeah, that's a great question. I think that there is uh, a great deal of sort of intergenerational trauma that um, I'm only really recently, uh, surprisingly, getting to deal with and getting, getting to really reckon with. Um, I think it's always been there kind of underlying um, my experiences growing up and, um, uh, you know, there's a kind of spectrality, a kind of haunting with this kind of historical trauma. Um, but I think that, um, since my work deals a lot with diasporic experiences and specifically, you know, uh, Asian American experiences, for example, um, 
these experiences are always kind of rooted in a, a kind of lacuna or a kind of feeling of, of lack or absence or void. And I'm trying to understand what that is and trying to understand the ways in which uh, Asian Americans um, who are the products of migration um, uh, really um, the ways in which they've been racialized uh, involves both a reckoning with a kind of past, but also um, grappling with a present and the future that's always trying to exclude or, or um, kind of render them invisible or hypervisible, right? So it's 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 all these frictions that run throughout um, throughout my work that deal with the kind of intergenerational trauma, I think. So I think it's really interesting that you brought up the word haunting um, and just like thinking about the film like Carnal Orient as well. Um, what are your kind of experiences or like thoughts on using horror as like a genre or medium to explore these kind of histories? I'm yeah, I'm really interested in in horror because it's it's for me. I actually think you can. There's a great deal of latitude when dealing with um, racialization and things that you're not really allowed to utter uh, or say more more explicitly in other ways. I think in in horror, which is a form of allegorical storytelling, you can you can really get into the subconscious. You can get into these um, arenas of, of consciousness that uh, and surface kind of the problems or the kind of tensions um, that you may not otherwise be able to address so so explicitly. So in Carnal Orient, it's about a kind of appetite for the Asian body and specifically the Asian female body and the ways in which food and bodies become collapsed in a kind of Western a hungry Western imaginary for uh, for this kind of imaginary subject. Um, and so it was my attempt to try to portray how that how it feels to be an Asian Asian woman um, and to to be be witness to bear witness to that kind of appetite and the, the, the kind of fetishization that results from that. So um, before we go any further, can you give us a summary or like a synopsis for our listeners who may have may not have seen the film? Sure. So Carnal Orient um, is uh, about these men, anonymous men who are eating in a restaurant and um, a Chinese restaurant. Um, and suddenly uh, an Asian woman walks in uh, and there's a kind of rupture in the in the reality and the fabric of the reality, uh, and we break into a kind of uh, fantastical sequence, um, which ends in a kind of uh, horrific cannibalization, uh, or that's sort of left abstract. Um, yeah, uh, and that's a sort of plot synopsis, and there's much much more in the way of themes that I'm sure you you may or may not want to discover yourself or talk about yeah so one thing um i noticed and i thought was really interesting with like the visuals of the film like it wasn't you know calling upon like a specific asian culture it was like very much a mish um mash 
Um, so can you tell us a bit more about like your decisions in doing that? For sure. Um, I'm glad you picked up on that because there's deliberately um, an attempt to represent the the kind of violent conflation of Asian cultures and um, symbols and semiotics. Um, and so it's it was, you know, she's wearing like a fan dress or a fan made out of a uh, dress made out of fans. And um, there's these weird eccentric, but perhaps to some, to many people, not not at all weird kinds of plates of food. Um, but for, for perhaps a white Western um, person, they would see that as kind of gross and weird. Um, and I wanted to get into the ways in which these symbols, these, these signs, um, not only, uh, are, are conflated under this umbrella sign of Asian-ness, um, but really hopefully that those work on a kind of affective register that speak to the kind of disgust that's also rooted in pleasure that I think, um, happens in the fetishization in the objectification of asianness and asian bodies i am curious about um the opening scene with um the butcher and that kind of like agonizing like very long take of you know taking apart the chicken and stripping it with his bare hands can you tell us a bit more about that sure um so that sequence well, that sequence actually takes inspiration from um, a, a 1975 feminist film called Jean Dielman, in which we stay with the home. I don't know if you've seen it, but we stay with this woman who's a homemaker uh, and a prostitute, and we 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 watch as she does all these mundane domestic chores and labors, and it's about a kind of indurational viewing experience as you are with this woman and you understand the kind of um, uh, time and effort that it takes for women to do these household things that are quite quotidian. Um, so I, that sequence really takes inspiration from that is in, in a kind of long shot kind of way to make you stay with the, the act of ripping apart this chicken, preparing this chicken uh, as a meal. Um, but also to really slowly inhabit the not only the kind of like me mechanics, the labor mechanics of it, but just to start to feel a little bit uneasy. Um, it sort of lays out a couple of the motifs and themes of, of tearing flesh, of flesh that's being rendered um uh, you know, rendered apart and uh, just violently treated, right? So it's it's about a kind of objectification again. Um, and so, yeah, just kind of hopefully atmospheric and, and works on that level as well to kind of give you a sense of dread. Um, can you also tell us a bit more about kind of the inspiration for or like kind of this beginning in the background story of like making this film? Because I'd read online it was in response to like um, a music video, but I am curious about like what else does it come from? Yeah, it was definitely in response to that. Um, I think there was a lot of so I was working on my PhD dissertation at the time at UCLA, and I think I was really um 
wanting to understand a bit more about desire and the ways in which desire is entangled with fear. Um, and, and now I think those things are inextricable psychic functions. Um, and so I think for me, the film is really about like, what is the desire for the other? Uh, and how do we, how do we acknowledge that there's this very fearful, horrific component about difference and about the ways in which people are um, both really frightened by things they don't understand or that they've othered, but also very desirous of those same things. Um, and so there was, you know, there were some texts and books and things that I read afterwards that I then was like, oh, wow, this actually really fits retrospectively. Um, uh, uh, there's a book by Keila Wazana Tompkins about racial indigestion and about eating the the fantasies of eating um, black bodies primarily right throughout the uh, 19th century I want to say so those kinds of books also have helped me to understand that the desires for tasting the other's body is also about it's not just about destroying the object but it's about it's about um desiring it desiring to possess it as well so it's a bit of a kind of psychoanalytic inspiration there um cinematically i was really inspired by uh david lynch uh which i think you can see <laughs> hopefully see in the film would you say that you explore like you there's a continuation of these themes explored in your upcoming book yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So that's the other kind of component. So not only is, is the book also about racial tasting um, and the ways in which racialized bodies impart flavor or what how I conceive of flavor um, through various philosophical analytics, but um, it's, it's, it's again, it's about that difference and, and difference being something that's palatable that's that's tangible that's affective affecting um and in that book i look at you know i go through the five chinese medicinal flavors bitter sweet salty pungent and sour um and i theorize each modality around a certain filmmaker or uh, or star rather and and film um or a set of films and a set of stars uh, and so Carnal Orient, I think, again, in retrospect, is about a bitterness, a kind of bitterness of being a racialized subject and how to make a bitter film that kind of conveys some of that bitterness that we, we being racialized and objectified and fetishized might, might feel. Um, I am curious, like, the choice to explore, like, um, Asian womanhood through like food and consumption because that's something that's like super interesting but also can be a double-edged sword in like how you approach it how do you kind of grapple with these feelings um around you know understanding that asian bodies and especially asian female bodies are you know treated as something for consumption while always you know finding it interesting to use food and consumption to explore your own feelings oh yeah interesting so i think the question here is about like whether or not one perpetuates these these um, kind of stereotypes or these kinds of ways of um, objectifying Asian women, for example. 
Right. Um, yeah, that that's that is a really great question that 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 I think really um, nails the paradox of a lot of my narrative filmmaking. Um, is that there is this for me, um, you know, how do we? The question is, how do we address something? How do we critique something and show it without indulging in it? And I think that that's that's a really fraught question, and I think that's a really difficult question um, because the the cinematic apparatus through spectacle always already aestheticizes, glamorizes, um, makes appealing these kinds of things, right? Or um, and so, and so it's sort of the question is around representation and visibility and a kind of visibility or transparency. Um, and I think that's something I circle uh, around and I don't have any easy answers. But with my latest film as well, which is called Kin, the film is about white supremacy. But the question is, can I represent white supremacy without glamorizing it? And I don't think that I found an answer. And I think the film rather is an experiment to see what audiences think um, and how people respond to it. I think I'm with you in that I, I kind of am more cynical about the power of the cinema to be able to critique something that is showing. But even if we can't fully critique it, I think we can hopefully engage it to the extent or such that some people can start to find some utility in it for critique. So even if that cinematic object itself can't fully operate in the realm of critique, um, hopefully it, ins it inspires, it, it generates, or it provokes some kind of thought to do so. So that's a really kind of uneasy answer, right? And it's, it's, it's something that I think about a lot. So I'm curious, what draws you to the medium of film and video over other art forms? Um, yeah, it's a good question. Um, well, I grew up um, surrounded by fine arts because my dad's a painter. So he, I think from an early age, I grew up with a kind of aesthetic education. But for me, um, film, cinema, television, all of these things were really important media for for my um, becoming, I think, right? Um, and so as, as sort of cultural interfaces um, with Americanness and and with with um, identification, those were very, very powerful for me. Um, and so I have always wanted to, make films and in high school I really started making films with my friends and um, that continued on through my studies and um, yeah so it's something I've always just been fascinated by I think that it's it it straddles the popular arts and fine arts in a way that I think could be really accessible and could be really transformative for, for audiences so I also read that um, you've worked in like documentary or you've like made documentaries. And so I'm curious um, 
for you, how does like the documentary differ from the narrative or, you know, the fiction film? Um, and how do you make the decisions on which angle to pursue with like themes or topics that you are interested in? Yeah, that's a great question as well. I mean, um, I think I started more um, with a kind of documentarian impulse, like, oh, I want to record, you know, this matriarchal village in China, the, the Maswo people, and I just want to be able to share that and maybe uh, create a, some kind of academic discourse around it. But um, it it was... It's it's difficult for me. I haven't returned to documentary in a straightforward fashion because I think I'm exploring a period of, of again, cynicism towards cinema and its capacity to affect real change. And I think something about documentary, you know, I, I love documentaries. I watch a lot of them. But one of the pitfalls for me uh, with you know like the commercial documentary the straightforward documentary is that it um it claims to have mastered its subject in a way that I'm not comfortable with like it it's it's sort of its gestures towards mastery or authenticity um or representability are questionable for me and so, you know, uh, for me, I, I prefer experimental documentaries that really foreground that, foreground that problem and say, like, there's no way you can make something kind of objective, for instance, or authentic, completely authentic. Like, that's, too, that's so elusive. That's impossible. Those are impossible projects. Rather, this is just as constructed as a narrative in many ways, right? Um, and in other ways, not, right? In other ways, not. There is There are things that are out of your control that you can't control in front of the camera. But um, why I gravitate more towards narrative filmmaking in this moment is that, again, that cynicism, but I think that there's much, for me, a more fertile playground with, with fantasy. Sometimes fantasy um, can reveal more about truth than reality. <laughs> I know that sounds cliche and I'm probably taking that from a really kind of cliche and uh, kind of quotation somewhere about truth and reality. But um, yeah, that's to me, to be kind of indirect or to go around um, is more, is, just feels more right and truthful at the, at the moment for me. So, uh, last question. If you could teach an ACAM course on any topic of your choosing, what would you pick? Oh, I actually had a recent discussion about this um, with Chris. So, I think actually I'm going to be teaching, well, hopefully, if this is approved, I'm going to be teaching a course that will um, center on VAF, the Vancouver Asian Film Festival as a kind of field research uh, festival kind of class. But um, prior to the festival and afterwards, I think it'll be centered on Asian diasporic cinemas um, and theory um, and uh, culminate in kind of students making projects. Um, and I haven't 
that's quite vague at the moment, but I think that um, I'll just sort of I'll put some feelers out there and see what ACAM students are interested in the way of in the way of which kind of theoretical grounding they would like. But I'd really love to teach something uh, around VAF and filmmaking practice for ACAM. All right. Well, thank you so much for sitting down with me today to chat. Thank you. Thanks so much for the, the opportunity. You just heard an interview with Mila Zhu, filmmaker, film scholar, and assistant professor in the Department of Theatre and Film. If you missed our Halloween screening, Carnal Orient is available on YouTube. Link in the show notes. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you have an idea for a mini episode for the ACAM podcast, we'd love to hear from you. Send us your ideas by emailing us at acam.program at ubc.ca. We hope these mini episodes can provide a way to stay connected with the ACAM community while learning more about the community engagement and advocacy projects our community members and partner organizations are involved in. To be notified when the next podcast episode is released and to stay updated on all things ACAM, please follow us on Twitter and Instagram at UBC ACAM and like us on Facebook at Asian Canadian and Asian Migration Studies UBC. 